the unthinkable. At my request, Bo and Sarah stayed with me in the kitchen after everyone had left. I wanted to give them Daryl's update in private, so I shut the kitchen's swinging door. Sarah put some music on her iPod and set it in the speaker cradle thing and turned around to face me. I have something to tell you, she announced. I wasn't paying attention, though. I was thinking how lucky these two were to get debriefed without a huge hypodermic needle in their thigh. Then I thought about Daryl's comment on how I'd be watched. I looked around the kitchen and then back at them. Can we go outside for a second? I have to talk to both of you. Why outside? Bo asked as I walked past him. Please. He followed me out. When we were outside, I told them about the black suburban, Dusty's twin brother Daryl, and his explanation of what the metal columns did to the Earth's orbit around the sun. I told you, Sarah said, that is incredible news. People will have one less thing to fight about. What about the sunspots? I thought that was pretty cool. They showed a picture of it on CNN, Bo asked. I'm betting Big Brother might have provided stock footage. I told you they weren't going to blow up the planet. Did I not? Sarah repeated. You were right. You were right all along. If there was ever a case for optimism, this was it. I'd never even considered what happened could actually be a good thing. That somebody out there might see us as something worth saving. Can we stop talking and worrying about this forever? It's all too scary. Does Dusty's brother know that we know? Bo asked nervously, pointing to himself and Sarah. No, and I want to keep it that way. That's why we came outside to talk about it. Do you think my house is bugged? Sarah seemed concerned. Probably not, I said, and I meant it. Miss Livingston has been here the whole time. She's like a kung fu warrior. Nobody, and I mean nobody, could sneak up on her to place a bug in here. She's like an ancient flatulent mist. She's everywhere. I looked around, nervous. She might materialize out of nowhere and karate chop me for comparing her to a fart. Parker, she's Chinese, Bo corrected me. Okay, she's like an ancient, flatulent Chinese warrior. I vote we go inside, and I second the vote never to talk about either again, Sarah said. I have something else I want to talk to you about, and it's pretty serious. She walked past us into the house. Bo sat down at the kitchen table and smiled at me like he knew what was coming. What? I asked him. Are you going to move here? Bo asked me. I looked at Sarah, who stopped opening a cabinet and looked back at us. Yes, Bo, he is. I am, I teased. Of course I was. Wild horses couldn't stop me. I can't move away from my family, Parker, I can't. This is the life that I want for Harper. She has the outdoors up here and knows the entire town. I want her to grow up like I did and have innocent summer crushes on boys from Chicago. Was that a nod to me? I want her heart to flutter when her man rocks the motherfucking house down at the crowbar. She just told me this morning she had a crush on a boy visiting from out of town. It's innocent here, Parker. You should want that too. She was getting emotional. Over me. I got up out of my seat and walked over to her. I had never loved anybody more. Of course I will. I shouldn't have joked about it. I looked her in the eye. If you'll have me, I will move to Saugatuck. Sarah started crying and hugged me without letting go. I hugged her back. It felt so good to really be wanted and loved. During what I thought was a super special embrace, I heard Bo whisper to Sarah, I slept with Larry. And then I heard Sarah whisper back, I slept with your brother. 
I release Sarah to look at my brother and best friend, a gay dentist, fake clapping his hands in an ecstatic, yay. Is that what you wanted to talk about? Did you two cook this up together? I've always loved it here. I thought maybe we could buy houses and rent them out, or I could buy apartments in Holland or Grand Rapids. What do you think? I was asking Sarah, who went back to the cabinet and pulled out a stack of papers and set it down in front of me. I recognized the title page. She had printed out and, from the looks of it, read and edited what I'd finished of my short story, The Bear. I was so embarrassed. I hadn't even read it myself. I thought about how horrible it must have read. I mean, I wrote it on a 15-hour caffeine-saturated bender from Atlanta to Saugatuck while the world was about to blow up underneath my feet. I couldn't believe how personal it was or how I was taking it. I felt like Dusty with a penis half the size of a pinky finger, skinny dipping in the ocean with the two people I loved the most and the tide just went out. I could hardly breathe. I loved it, she said. I absolutely loved it. And I'm not just saying that because I love you or I'm biased by your cat-like prowess in the sack. Really? I said, able to exhale. I haven't even read it. You liked it? Chewy read it too, Bo laughed. He said he was surprised. I think his exact words were, I'm surprised. I expected it to suck. Did you read it? I asked him. This is your homage. Obviously, I'm dying to, he looked at Sarah. It's a tribute to me. I've been busy, though. He winked at me as he grabbed it. I let him have the pile of white paper. I was flying. When I was riding the bear, I was surprised at how much fun I was having, but that was nothing compared to someone telling you they loved it. Oh my God, you are Jack, aren't you? Parker, you have to finish this. I'm dying to know how it ends. Is Jack okay? Do you really want to know, I asked. Yes, but don't tell me. I want to read how it ends. Finish it. You have to finish it, and you have to make it into a book. Parker, honey, you said in school it was your dream to be a writer. I don't know if that was the old Parker selling me a line or if you were being sincere. What I do know is that this is great. You can move up here and buy some boring apartments, or you could move up here and give writing a try, as long as you move up here. But I think if you have an interest in writing, you should give it a try. I believe in you. Well, I have come into some money. Why don't I finish the bear and we'll go from there? Perfect, she said and gave me a kiss. I have a song to play for you. She walked over to her iPod and hit a button. She was right when she said I'd recognize the song right away. It started with soft cymbals, a bass line, and then an acoustic guitar. It was the Jack Johnson song Sarah talked to me about earlier, the one that made her think of me when she heard the chorus. She turned back to us. Can you believe what happened last night? The sunspots? I asked, feigning ignorance. No. Almost every person in both our families got physical last night. Mom, Dad, me, you, Bo, Larry, your mom and dad, Mimi and Gramps. I was almost speechless. Jesus. Actually, Jesus didn't get laid last night, Bo laughed. Chewy, Harper, Landon, and hopefully Miss Livingston were all left out of the fun. I could tell he was scanning the kitchen for his bag full of enemas because he stopped after he saw them in the corner. And then the world stopped again. Not because of some alien intervention, but because I heard a faint scream from upstairs that sounded exactly like Chewy's bumped my elbow but really busted a nut scream. 
Where are Chewie and Harper? I barked, panicked, thinking the absolute worst, remembering what Harper had told Sarah about having a crush on a boy from out of town. I think they're upstairs in Harper's room. They've been fooling around up there all morning, Sarah said, using the absolute most unwelcome phrasing a father slash brother could imagine. I leapt from my chair to run upstairs, fearing it was already too late. In my panicked, uncoordinated effort, I tripped over Sarah's foot, crashing to the kitchen floor, taking an empty chair out with me. The gutted, horrific feeling I had inside me popped like a balloon when Harper came running through the kitchen's swinging door, alone, fully clothed, and on the phone. She looked down at me and shrugged before cupping the phone in her hand and whispered excitedly while running in place. He called. The boy I was telling you about called. This is him, the cute boy from Chicago. I laid my head back down on the ground, exhaled, and laughed. Chewie was just punching a clown in the face alone up there. Thank you, Jesus. Sarah was laughing uncontrollably at my wipeout as she lowered herself down to me and kissed me on the forehead. I attempted to get up, but she held me in place until she was sitting cross-legged, with my head resting in her lap. My resistance ceased the minute she started running her fingers through my hair, a loving touch I had almost forgotten because it hadn't happened in such a long time. Piper came over, nestled against me, and fell asleep. From our new spot on the floor, Sarah and I watched our daughter agree to meet the mystery boy from Chicago. They would meet later that afternoon at the soda fountain in back of the drugstore. Harper and Bo started jumping up and down afterwards, shrilling unintelligible schoolgirl screams, both fueled by the excitement of new boys. Bo was holding my story in his hand, careful not to lose his place. It was neat to see Harper and Bo celebrating together. I knew Bo would be a wonderful addition to Harper's world, just as he had been a wonderful, important part of mine. Chewie walked into the room with a zipper of his pants half open and a satisfied grin on his face. Not one to pass up an opportunity to be a wise-ass, he started mock-jumping with Bo and Harper, completely unaware at what they were both so excited about. Just days ago, I'd been convinced death was certain, like I was falling down a cliff alongside Dusty and Peaches, with no chance of cheating our fate. I was wrong, though. I watched the best day of my life turn into the worst week of my life, and then without slowing down at all, it turned into the best life a guy could ever ask for. I took the whole scene in and felt a wonderfully deep hum of happiness pressing up against my chest. Was it my tuning forks? I wouldn't bet against it. All I know is it felt impossibly easy to breathe for the first time in a long, long time. I never thought I could be this happy, and I was happy to have been wrong. With Sarah's hands in my hair and my head comfortably in her lap, my tuning forks and the song Sarah had chosen for me were playing in two-part harmony. There is someone for everyone. Sarah and Harper sang the chorus together. Don't let your dreams be dreams. It was the most beautiful music I had ever heard. I was finally sure that this day was the best fucking day of my life. Bathed in Sarah's loving touch, I closed my eyes and took a deep breath. She whispered in my ear so close her warmth tickled, you know what you can't stop.